The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 350. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan, like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com, mcclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll. And you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses, which I do have a new course out. Southern Cultural and Intellectual History Part 2. You're going to want this one. It covers 1790 to 1865. It's a nice companion class to my War for Southern Independence course. So uh, you can get that one as well. I've got 12 classes actually available for purchase. And uh, if you're a homeschooler, two of those classes are great for homeschooling. My United States History Survey courses. So... Uh, you can, and lots of people are homeschooling now, so think about that. I also have some, some plans in the next year to do something I think is really going to help homeschoolers a lot uh, when it comes to state history. So just uh, keep that in mind. Uh, also, you can support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You get a book plate there. If you want my autograph of one of my books, which I have a new book out, Southern Scribblings, it's 60 Essays that discuss the Southern tradition in all forms. So you can uh, pick that one up. Uh, you can also get, the, get that autographed if you get a book plate. And you can purchase one of my other books at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever else you want to get books. And you can get those signed, too, with those book plates. You can also support the show by going to learntruetruehistory.com. It's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. Great website. You can go to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that shop tab. You can get your lo- my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Lots of great ways to support the show, of course. As always, share it around on social media. Uh, support me uh, by leaving a review wherever you get your podcast. That's how people are going to hear this show and how we're going to grow the audience to think locally, act locally. Now, this is kind of a think locally, act locally episode. And normally I wouldn't really care about Massachusetts politics, but I want to focus on that today because of the name involved. And there's been a lot of, I've seen many articles about this recently, about this Senate contest in Massachusetts between Ed Markey and Joe Kennedy III. Uh, And this is interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting because what we're seeing is a transition in American politics. Now, I wrote about the Kennedy clan in my Politically Incorrect Guide to Real American Heroes as one of the anti-heroes. The Kennedys are so often held up as these as a symbol of 20th century America. Uh, even in my own lifetime, you know, my, m- one of my family members really loved the Kennedys. In fact, she recalled when she was young, they lived around D.C., and here come John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy riding up on horses, and how she was a young girl at that time, and how she was just bowled over by these men and their pseudo-masculinity. Here, these guys are riding horses, and they're out of Massachusetts. This is, there's often a mistake to portray the Kennedys as conservatives. 
They were never conservatives. The Kennedy clan was never conservative. They were always progressives. Joe Kennedy was always a progressive. His sons were all progressives. But because of the current state of American conservatism, and in many ways the appeal of country club conservatism, which is what the Kennedys really represented, which is progressivism, you still have this image of uh, the uh, Kennedys as conservative. And I would actually put Joe Biden in this group. And this is where I'm going to bring it back into national politics, but also talk a little bit about local politics, even though you could say that a U.S. Senate seat isn't really local. I mean, now you're running to represent the entire population of a state. You no longer represent the state and all the outside money that comes in. And this is one of the big problems people are saying in this particular campaign between Markey and Kennedy is that super PACs are funding uh, Joe Kennedy III's campaign. And some of that money is being raised by his father, who was also in the U.S. Congress. The Kennedy clan is a cancer. But when I see Joe Biden, and I, and I talked about it, I talked about Biden uh, yesterday, or at least Jill Biden. Joe Biden is a Kennedy wannabe. And what I mean by that, in, in Delaware, you have, this, you have this country club mentality among some of the elites in the state. It's a coastal state. The Kennedys were fond of sailing. And when I say country club Republicans or country club conservatives, because in some ways that's what Joe Biden is, but he's trying to appeal, just as Joe Kennedy is, they're trying to appeal to a different base. You see, what's happening in America on the left, and this is going to be important 20 or 30 years from now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the base. She is the base. The people that are rioting in Wisconsin the people that are rioting in Minnesota or other places around the United States, that's the base of the Democrat Party for the future moving forward. And Ocasio-Cortez, by endorsing Bernie Sanders, is showing this is the base. You see, Sanders really is the Democrat Party. What the Democrats are hoping to do with someone like Kennedy, but he's running against an establishment person. I mean, this is where this gets kind of kooky in Massachusetts. Markey is establishment as you can get, but he's a slimy politician, so he's going to try to move with the base. This is exactly what Joe Biden is doing. Markey is in his 70s. Joe Biden's in his 70s. These men are trying to hold on to the last vestige of power. And, of course, Markey you know, would have known the Kennedys. I mean, he was, and, and Joe Biden grew up as a Kennedy acolyte. So did, so did uh, you know, Bill Clinton in a lot of ways. These men were Kennedy acolytes. They admired the Kennedys. They, and, you know, so I call them like boat shoe uh, progressives or boat shoe conservatives. Anybody knows what boat shoes are, right? These are the guys that walk around, and I grew up with this. I mean, you, you grew up on sailboats. You walk around with boat shoes. They have, it's a shoe that you wear without any socks, and it has little grippers on the bottom of them because you got to walk on your boat, and you wear a polo shirt. And uh, and your and your shorts, uh, and you go and you go to the country club. You go to the you go to the pool. You know, you not necessarily golf. I mean, they do play golf, but it's that coastal kind of boat shoe conservatism that the Kennedys represented. And of course, Joe Biden is such a part of that. Now, he he of course came up in you know grew up in Pennsylvania, in kind of a steel town or coal town that that kind of area of Pennsylvania, but he. But if you look at older pictures of him, uh, when he was a younger man in Delaware, he has that boat shoe country club conservative appeal. 
That's what he was. And so the Kennedys, as the elites, and Biden certainly wants to be considered in that particular group, this is where they get a lot of their karma from. But you see, they're having to start appeal to start to appeal to groups of people that they're uncomfortable with. And this has been pointed out. This is uh, Joe Kennedy is on the defensive all the time now because he he's uh, apologizing for his name essentially. Look, I mean, I know I've grown up with privilege. I know all these things, and I, I've got to try to. And there's a there's a picture in this Wall Street Journal article about this where he's sitting on a bench talking to three African Americans, and you can just see in so many ways the pandering that he's doing here. This is. This is where it, this stuff gets just so silly. Uh, when I say when I what I mean by that is that these people aren't genuine. Joe Biden isn't really genuine. He never has been, but he understands where the power is now, or it's moving in the party, and so they're trying to go with that. Uh, even this article, the Wall Street Journal, points this out. The back and forth ahead of the September 1 election has set up the contest as, in part, a test of the endurance of the Kennedy mystique in Massachusetts politics. It will also measure which campaign better attracts the support of black and Hispanic voters in the final days of a campaign season marked by a nationwide civil rights movement. The new focus was set off by accusations by Mr. Markey that Mr. Kennedy has been receiving support from his family through a super PAC running ads in the race. Mr. Markey said Mr. Kennedy should ask his father, who is a former member of Congress, to stop funding the super PAC. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is an interesting part of all this, but I want to focus on also one thing Markey said in the campaign video, which shows you where the party is going and why I believe that uh, the left has already won. They win all the time. And they're winning the Democrat Party. They're taking it over. And it's because Markey said this. There's a campaign ad where uh, Mr. Markey is advocating the Green New Deal. You see, here's a guy in his 70s. He's now starting to try to appeal to a base that's left the boat shoe progressive faction. This is what Joe Kennedy was hoping to attract. This is what Joe Biden is hoping to do. You look at the people that are supporting Joe Biden who are conservatives. It's George W. Bush. It's Mitt Romney. These are the boat shoe Republicans. They're the guys that are out there in their sailboats. And they're, I mean, Mitt Romney is, uh, now I know it's Michigan, but he's he's gotten in with this Massachusetts area. He is kind of a Kennedy. He's a boat shoe conservative. Country club, they're not really conservatives. But they say they are. Maybe they're a little more for fiscal restraint, though Joe Kennedy is not. None of these people are. And Ed Markey has has just thrown, I mean, he just thrown in the towel and said, look, I'm just going to go with the left because he says this, quote, We asked what we could do for our country. We went out and did it. With all due respect, it's time to start asking what your country can do for you. Now, for years, as I've taught American politics to college students, I've mentioned that this is the new mantra of the Democrat Party. I've said this for about 20 years. That it's no longer that that boat shoe message of ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That boat shoe progressivism, this high ideal progressivism, I'm going to go out and get in the Peace Corps. I'm going to go and, and uh, serve and do things. 
there was a certain amount of Jeffersonian republicanism to that. You know, I'm going to do things that are not in my financial interest. I'm going to do things just because I'm here to serve. And certainly in the World War II generation, you had some of that. I mean, look, uh, without question, you know, John F. Kennedy, uh, his brother Joe Kennedy, who died during World War II, even though that John F. Kennedy's military career was promoted by his father because he made a severe mistake in getting his ship run over and uh, almost killing all of his men. Uh, but J uh, John F. Kennedy's military career was certainly buttressed by his father, but he certainly did have a, a, a part of sacrifice in that. And I think a lot of the World War II generation did, and people that grew up during the Depression and other times. They, they had this mindset of sacrifice, do things for... Uh, for the United States or for the civic duty that you have. And maybe there's a little bit of that in Joe Kennedy III because that's the boat shoe progressivism in him, right? A little bit of Jeffersonian progressivism there, a little bit of Jeffersonian republicanism. I mean, this has a, has a, a, a tinge of Jeffersonianism to it. Markey doesn't go for any of that. He simply just said, look, what we're going to do is we're just going to say the government needs to... Now, when he says country, no, no, no. When he's not talking about the country there. He's talking about the government. Ask not what the government can do for you. Ask what you can do for the government is what Kennedy really meant. But now let's flip it on his head. Ask not what the government can do. Not, ask not what you can do for the government. Ask what the government can do for you. And one of the images I find so hilarious on this Wall Street Journal, and I'm sure they chose these pictures uh, because they're just silly. Maybe. I don't know. But they show this image of Markey talking at a post office rally. <laughs> Who rallies for the post office? I mean, it's the most idiotic thing that I've ever seen in American politics. The post office. I went to the post office in my, uh, in my, local, at my local post office the other day on a Saturday morning. Of course, the line is backed up because they're supposed to open at 9. It's 9.10. They still haven't opened the door yet. So some guy shuffles out. He starts pulling up the blinds, and he finally shuffles over. They have one person working. This guy was supposed to be working, but he's working on putting up a sign. He's making a sign, and it says, No heavy packages. My back hurt. My back hurt, or hurt back, something like that. Okay, right? So he puts it up, and then there's one other uh, person there, and she's taking uh, the... She's taking uh, anybody that has uh, you know, mail from a P.O. box or uh, if you need an address change form, she's doing that. So you have three people. Two of them really aren't working. One is working, and you got the next window please signs and all the other things. This is what you pay for with the post office. Uh, we, when you move and you get your mail forwarded, it takes like three weeks to get mail that should have gotten to you. I mean, how hard is it to say, okay, they're not here. Let's send it here. And, uh, and we're going to get it there quickly. People have noted how it took, it can take, you know, three weeks to go 80 miles for the post office. You could have, you could have walked it there faster than that, right? This is what we're, this is what we're rallying against. And they have this woman in, uh, in a skirt. She has a big smile on her face. Uh, her mask is down around her chin. Save the post office. Hashtag save the post office. And then this other old lady standing there, the U.S. Post, USPS lives Trump destroys them or something like that. I mean, this is just so stupid. This is Massachusetts for you, right? This is what's in Massachusetts? Well, we all know. It begins with a Y and ends with an E, right? So this is the cancer, really, in American society. And all these people are this, okay? But 
these people want government to do something for them. You see, it's no longer about you go out and you do your Jeffersonian duty, your civic duty, which all the founders agreed with this, right? Jefferson and Washington and Madison, Monroe, they all thought they should do something as their civic duty. The office was not a station. It was just something you had to endure because people put you there. But just the mere fact that these individuals are running, are running for this seat and spending millions of dollars to do it shows you what's really happening here. I mean, this is, uh, this is a, a oligarchy. It's, a, it's an oligarchy. And, of course, the Kennedys represent the old oligarchic order. Markey, in so, so many ways, does too. But he's realized that, man, I mean, that's, that's over. The boat shoe progressivism, that's done. We still need to get some of those people on board. But what I really need to get and what I really need to pander to are young people who think that the world is going to end because there's a hurricane and like we've never had hurricanes before. Or we've got a heat wave and we've never had a heat wave before. In all of world history, we've never had this. So we're going to pass legislation that's not going to stop hurricanes. It's not going to stop bad storms. It's not going to stop wildfires. You want to stop wildfires, you've got to cut out all the underbrush that's sitting there that they're not allowed to cut. All the dead trees in California, which is illegal to do now. You want to get rid of wildfire, you got to do some of this stuff. The, the problem with California is not global warming. It's Democrat policies. It's left policies that have hurt the environment in California and, and protecting lives and property, right? So that's the issue. But that quote really stuck with me because this is the transformation. And near the end of this particular piece, which, I, again, I find so interesting, near the end of this particular piece, it says, Some younger voters, whom a number of polls show preferring Mr. Markey, may not take as warmly to the idea of a family political dynasty. Catherine McLean, a white 29-year-old Democrat from Somerville, Massachusetts, was drawn to Mr. Markey's work on climate change and has recently started volunteering for his campaign. Our generation, and especially younger folks, folks, Obama started that problem. I think there's more of a skepticism of family legacy status in the world generally and also in politics, she said. Really? Are you sure about that? I mean, maybe Hillary Clinton had a problem with that, but are you sure about that? You just picked Joe Biden. You just selected Joe Biden. Now, of course, Joe Biden, there's no, there's no father of Joe Biden that's, you know, he, he, but he does talk, but he has this political dynasty that he's tried to create. And the Bidens are still very popular in Delaware politics. Again, it's the boat shoe progressives. And you got a lot of them. They're, they're being, they're trying to appeal to that uh, boomer voter that's still hanging on to the Kennedys. They still get that a little bit, but they're also trying to get these younger voters are you sure that you don't really believe in these things? Now, we could say just because they have the name Kennedy doesn't mean anything. But And the Bushes have been rejected over and over again. I think Americans are getting a little bit, uh, bit worried of, uh, of, um, of these political dynasties. But Americans have always loved these things. I don't know. Maybe there is a generational shift taking place and Americans don't care about political dynasties much anymore. But it had always been there. And... This is what I find most interesting about this particular shift and why I think that this race is interesting. And Markey is actually leading the race. We'll see if Kennedy can pull it out. But Markey, now this is a prim, essentially a primary, but whoever wins this is going to win the general election. I mean, I think it's pretty, it's pretty clear. 
whoever wins this particular primary is going to win the, the Senate seat in, um, in Massachusetts. What we have and what we have is clearly a window into the future. Is country club, I think Joe Biden is the last gasp for this stuff. Joe Biden is the last of the boat shoe progressives to have a shot at winning anything on a major level in the United States. Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, they're the future. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the squad. That, this is what the Trump administration, if the Trump administration was smart, they would show that's the future of the, I mean, look, there's a reason Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris. And I mentioned it all the way back in March, that that's what he would have to do. If he wanted to, to appeal to this new wave of Democrat voters. And uh, that is something that I think is one of the most interesting political developments of the last hundred years. Now, what's caused it? Certainly, I think there's all kinds of things to it. One of them is education. Little kids are told from the time they get into school at five years old that we have climate change and that that's the greatest threat to their life. That you know the Earth is going to warm by 0.2 degrees in the next 40 years. I mean, if it does, we don't even know if it will. But I mean, this is just what computer models are saying. One thing about you know computer models, they're usually wrong. I mean, we had computer models about COVID and how many deaths we're going to. We were supposed to have like five million dead people, corpses all over the street right now with COVID-19. Uh, that hasn't happened. Uh, the computer models. We just had a hurricane, devastating, certainly. Uh, I've lived through some big hurricanes on the Gulf Coast, and they're tough. But they were predicting 20 feet, 20 foot storm surge. The computer models were they had about nine feet, still big, but the computer models were wrong. Uh, and this is the problem that you have with computer modeling. It's not accurate. It's never accurate. And somebody has to input the data. And generally, that inputting of the data is going to be dangerous for long term because, again. The people that are doing it, it's worst case scenario all the time. Computer models are never that accurate. And we have a whole group of people in America now that live their life based on computer modeling. It takes out the entire human element. It takes out the natural environment. It takes out everything. It takes out the great uncertainty of life. We don't know. It's one thing I, I, I'll, I'll finish up by saying about history. We don't really know what's good. You can't use history to predict anything. People are fickle. People change their minds. People change their views. And things can happen on the turn of a dime. And everything can change. Now, I do try to be predictive on this podcast. And I think I've been proven accurate many, many times over. But uh, at the end of the day, you can't predict with certainty how things are going to happen based on history. Because history shows you that you're going to be wrong a lot. And more importantly, I will say this, you can't predict with computer models what's going to happen either because generally computer models are exaggerations and the worst case scenario and they're never really accurate in terms of what's going to happen. But people see that curve, oh my gosh, it's going to be this, it's going to be this, oh, we're all going to die. And that's it. Or with the hurricane, just one thing, you never had two hurricanes at the Gulf at the same time. We didn't have it again. We had it in 1953. Well, 
Was, were people driving around their SUVs in 1953? Were we talking about global warming in 1953? No. It's just something that can happen. Right? It's just something that can happen. These things can happen. And I'm sure, besides 1953 or 1950, whatever it was, when we had two hurricanes in the Gulf, there was another time in the history of the Gulf of Mexico when there were two hurricanes in the Gulf at the same time. I can almost guarantee that. I'm sure there was. Uh, but regardless... Uh, this is where we are in, in human society, and this is where we take out the human element of all of it. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, this is it for the week. Next week, I'll get into Trump's speech, which takes place tonight. So I'll cover that on Monday of next week. If you want to get me five times a week, just go on over to abbyvilleinstitute.org. You can get my podcast there with the Week in Review at the Abbeville Institute as well, where I talk about all things Southern. So you can do that there, too. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll see you next week. Have a good one. See you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.